I'm Tom Tate, and this is the Power Time Podcast. Cowabunga! Hey, what's up, Power Players? I am your host and guide, Tom Tate, and you are listening to episode six of the Power Time Podcast, where we are voyaging through time, conjuring up those old memories of Nintendo, one issue of Nintendo Power at a time. So I'm very, very excited to jump into today's episode because we've got a huge feature on one of my top childhood franchises, and I'm talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I had Turtles everything. So when I was a kid, um, multiple years for Halloween, I was a Ninja Turtle. I definitely caught that Ninja Turtle fever. And it took a few decades and a few Michael Bay produced films to finally cure me of that disease. Uh, But before we actually dig into the episode, I want to announce, if you've been a listener so far, a format change for the show. So I've been literally covering every issue of Nintendo Power to date, cover to cover, And I haven't really been skipping much, and I'm going in the order of the magazines. Uh, So that's going to change today. I've broken up the podcast into the following segments. So we'll kick things off with an introduction. That's what you're listening to now. And then I'll get into the main issue uh, cover stories and features. After that, we'll take a look at some of the hotter previews. Then we'll jump into a segment that I'm calling That's So Retro where we'll highlight some uh, some things that are totally a sign of the times from when these issues were printed. So when you read them, it's super uh, 1989, or later when we get into the Super Nintendo years, you know, super mid-90s. Uh, and, you know, these are things like retro ads, uh, 1-900 hotline numbers, which you don't really see too frequently anymore, comics, hilarious copywriting, and much more. After that, the next segment will be, are we having fun yet? And that segment will be uh, all the remaining fun facts and little tidbits from the issue that that are worth highlighting. Uh, It could be a game that I remember being super fun as a kid or an interesting discovery uh, that I'm learning about for the first time. We'll then conclude the show uh, with the top 10 games and uh, the teaser for the following week's episode. So we're still going to get the same action-packed Nintendo Power Greatness week to week. I'm just trying to trim the fat. And I think that this format will give me the opportunity uh, to trim and cut the least interesting segments. So I feel like a lot of the content uh, I was fitting in just because it was in the magazine. And I want to cut things out that aren't aren't interesting to me. Because if it's not interesting to me, uh, it's going to make for a boring podcast probably for you. Uh, And I want to create a a bit of a shorter show so that you can listen to it in shorter bites. Uh, I'm still going to be bringing the best of the best in Nintendo-inspired music to every episode. That's been one of the highlights for me is really just digging deep, supporting these artists, and uh, listening to some of the throwback music. Because as soon as you hear it, it snaps you right back to 1989, 1990, what have you. So let's try it out. Uh, Be sure to tell me what you think. You can tweet at me at YoPowerTime, Y-O-PowerTime on Twitter. Or drop a review in iTunes at powertimepodcast.com slash iTunes. Okay, enough with the banter. Let's party. So we're going to flash back to May, June of 1989. And if you're old like me, uh, you may remember some hits 
from the box office during these months. So we had Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade and Batman just absolutely crushing the box office during May and June of 1989. And I would see those later. I was a little young at the time, so I would see those later, but I remember them being released. But it was really Ghostbusters 2 uh, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids that were released around this time. And they would become video store rental staples for me. I would rent those and re-rent those over and over again. Uh, I don't know why we didn't just buy them. And if you're driving to your local West Coast video or your local video store to rent some NES game packs, you were likely to hear Bon Jovi, Paula Abdul, and New Kids on the Block because they were topping the charts during these months. So if you were flipping on the top 40 radio stations, these are the hits that you're going to hear. The real phenomenon, the real craze in May, June of 1989 was the Nintendo Entertainment System and, of course, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a comic book series turned cartoon, and now a video game. So featured here on the cover of the May-June 1989 issue, issue number six of Nintendo Power is TMNT. We have Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, and Michelangelo sporting their signature weapons, and Donnie is even holding a slice of pizza, their favorite food. So goodness gracious, this is amazing. Uh, But these are some crude depictions of the turtles uh, more reminiscent of the original comics than the actual cartoon that uh, many of us may be familiar with uh, but definitely a great cover it's highlighting the mutant heroes in their element you have a sewer scene in the background uh, featured on the front cover we have tmnt huge 10 page feature we have ninja gate gaiden part two uh, review plus plus we have bayou billy and cobra triangle and more hot previews. Uh, In the table of contents, we'll also get a Mega Man 2, uh, this is all caps in quotations, hot exclamation point preview, uh, and the results of the Nestor Awards. So I'm really excited about the Nestor Awards. We'll get into that in just a bit. And the poster for this issue is a massive mega poster with maps from Life Force. Okay, power players, get ready to blow in your NES game pack, hold reset and press start because it is party time. So that was the fantastic intro to TMNT as produced by The Greatest Bits, a fantastic musician who puts out a lot of great video game uh, inspired music uh, and just great renditions of video game music that we grew up with. 
So Nintendo Power jumps right into the action by introducing each turtle and their strengths and weaknesses. So Donatello had that long range uh, weapon and the strongest attack with the bow staff, uh, but he was also the slowest turtle. Mike was great against smaller enemies uh, with the nunchucks. Raph was the quickest with the Psy and Leo's katana was kind of well-rounded. So if you wanted a nice balanced turtle, you typically picked Leonardo. Again, you know, Nintendo Power was always giving away plot points. Uh, so you're, you're seeing a lot of the plot points within the game. So spo- spoiler alert here, uh, we see in Area 1, you know, you're out to find April O'Neil. Uh, in Area 3, you're off to rescue a kidnapped Master Splinter. You know, these are the objectives of the level. Uh, and you may remember the shot where you're fighting a boss battle, uh, and I believe it was the Mecha Turtle. You're fighting a boss battle, and Splinter is hanging uh, from a pole. So he's in the background dangling from a pole. So you know that at the end of this boss fight, uh, you'll be rescuing Master Splinter. Um, and it's just a great scene. I, I definitely remember that specific still shot. On the next page, we learn about uh, the enemies that we'll be facing, various members of the Foot Clan. Uh, I don't know if all of these were from the comic book or if some of them were made up. Uh, but we have Shredder, the Mecha Turtle, the Foot Soldiers, of course. Uh, we also have Giant Frog, Fire Freak, Chainsaw Maniac, and Robo. Uh, so these are all interesting characters. I don't remember most of them from the cartoon. Uh, and I wasn't a huge Turtles comic book reader back in the day. I paged through a few later on in life. Uh, but I don't remember these characters. So I wonder if they're just uh, made up for the game. Uh, we'll dig a little bit deeper into the history in just a bit. We get a few maps for Area 1, including some tips on how to defeat Rocksteady and Bebop, two enemies that became wildly popular throughout the show. Uh, after you save April, you have to protect a dam uh, by finding and disarming eight bombs, and you have a little over two minutes to do this. So this stage, uh, Stage 2 of TMNT, is quite possibly one of the most memorable levels from my childhood. And I'm curious, do you remember uh, the dam stage? Um, we're going to take a a quick listen to the music and maybe the music will snap you back and bring you back there but you know i remember uh this was so challenging as a kid it took so long to master uh swimming and avoiding the uh the electric seaweed uh there were all these different uh mazes and obstacles that you had to get through to disarm the bombs you had to know where all eight bombs were um but as as soon as you got it you know after billions and billions of attempts uh, it became second nature. So I remember at one point in my childhood doing flawless runs. Uh, and, you know, the music was really awesome in this stage as well. It was, you know, the type of level that really exemplified for me uh, the NES. Uh, it was, you know, challenging. It was not very forgiving. It was super challenging. But the the idea that practice makes perfect uh, really held true for this particular level. Once you got it, you got it. Uh, and you could really blaze through the first two areas and get to the party van pretty quickly uh, by by um, just practicing, you know, and getting really good at at this level and getting really good at these types of games. So let's take a quick break. Uh, let's check out the music from the dam, uh, also from the greatest bits, uh, and then we'll come right back.
So again, that was Area 2, The Dam from TMNT, as covered by The Greatest Bits. Up next, we have a huge overhead map, and it's actually quite big, and it shows off the scale of this game. If you remember, TMNT is kind of like uh, Blaster Master or The Adventure of Link and many other games at this time because it had two specific gameplay modes. The first was a top-down overhead mode where you travel the area's map, uh, and you could go into buildings and go into sewers. And the second was an action-packed kind of side-scrolling mode where you would fight enemies up close uh, and you would control the turtles uh, in both modes. But, you know, th- both modes for me in this case were equally rewarding. And here in Nintendo Power, the magazine highlights the party wagon. Uh, and this was your primary form of transportation after the dam area. So you could ride around in the party wagon and shoot missiles to blast through barricades and defeat other enemies. And one of the absolute funnest things that I remember, uh, and this is kind of masochistic, you know, looking back on it, uh, but, you know, being able to just splat foot soldiers by running them over with the party wagon, uh, that was a really fun thing to do uh, as a young kid. Uh, They were a threat before, you know, when you weren't in a vehicle, you would have to go up to them and you would have to attack them uh, and they could really... Uh, harm you Uh, but once you get that party wagon they're just like ants and you would just run over them Uh, and it was a ton of fun so like i mentioned this was kind of like the legend of uh, zelda uh, 2 the adventure of link but as i mentioned in that episode where we talked about link uh, i was dissatisfied with the inability to battle enemies on the over the uh the world map or the over uh overhead map Uh, but here you can uh, which is great you can actually attack and, and interact with enemies Uh, And the overhead map in Nintendo Power specifically, it really shows you just how big this area was in retrospect. So TMNT was a great game when it came to scale. Uh, It wasn't just a cheap cash-in on the franchise. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about the development, but Konami really did a fantastic job uh, developing a strong title. Uh, And again, just did not just cash in. Uh, And there were a lot of cash-in games not just back in the NES days, but you know, in the history of Nintendo, there were tons of franchise cash-ins, uh, and this is not one of them. Uh, we then get some maps of the different buildings you can explore, showing you how to get missiles and various weapons. Uh, one thing you may remember, if, if you died in this game, you simply picked another turtle. Uh, so the turtle that, that died would be lost, uh, but then you could just pick another one and continue. And you could do this until all four were unavailable. Uh, and there was actually a segment or two in the game where you could save a turtle uh, that you lost uh, and you can find a turtle tied up and you can save that turtle and then you get an extra life life back. Um, and that's featured here as well, how to find that. And of course, uh, you will probably remember that pizza uh, was what, was revi- what revived your health. Uh, so if you wanted to uh, revive the health of any turtle, uh, you would get either a half, a half a pie or a full pie of pizza Um, and there were a bunch of different items that you could pick up and they're all featured here in this issue. I remember a lot of times you would enter a building where the carrot at the end of the stick of the building was a full pizza, but then after you got the full pizza and revived all all of your health, you would have to exit the building the same way you came in. Uh, and they were challenging levels. Uh, jumping was challenging, uh, attacking was challenging. The enemies had various attack patterns. Uh, and I, re- I just remember, you know, you would go all the way through to get health and then you might end up losing more health than you had when you came in uh, just because of how challenging some of the buildings were. 
So my strategy sometimes were to skip, you know, going after those little side missions for health anyways. Uh, But there's some strategy here, you know, on defeating some of the enemies uh, in in Nintendo Power, the Mecha Turtles specifically. uh, And then there's a preview of what's to come. So, of course, this review doesn't cover every level. We get a little preview of the Technodrome and the final battle uh, with Shredder, and we'll see if they cover more in a future issue of Nintendo Power. Uh, But this is certainly enough to get you started with the game. So let's check out one more song, and then we'll come back and talk about the history of this fantastic game. All right, so I went to school on TMNT. I had no idea all the backstory leading up to this game. So I'm really pumped to share what I've learned. Uh, and this is a lot of information, but I, you know, I love Ninja Turtles. So this was really exciting for me, and I hope it's equally exciting for you uh, to listen to. So uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they were conceived as a drawing and a black and white comic book from Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird in uh, Northampton, Massachusetts, and they self-published the early issues in 1984 and 1985, so well before the release of this game. And growing up, you may remember the Turtles specifically uh, from their Playmates, toys, action figures, and sets. Um, Or you may remember the cartoon, of course you remember the cartoon that ran from 1988 to 1996. And fun fact, uh, I discovered this, Will Smith's uncle from Fresh Prince, James Avery, was the voice of Shredder. I had no idea. I never knew that. But if you think about it and if you think hard, your mind will be blown. Uh, It's totally true. Uh, Here's another fun fact I learned. I had always assumed that the Playmates toys were developed after the success of the TV show. So I had assumed the evolution was comic book, TV show, success of the TV show yielded the video games, the movies, and the toys. Uh, What I learned was that it was the other way around. Uh, the TV show was actually developed to support the, the toy line. Uh, so the cartoon was actually just one big uh, advertisement campaign to sell toys. Uh, so I thought that that was really interesting. But, uh, you know, Transformers might have been like that too. Uh, so there, there were other cases where this was, you know, very much the case in the 80s and 90s. From 1990 to 1993, three feature films were released. Uh, the original Ninja Turtles, The Secret of the Ooze, and Turtles 3. Also in 1990, uh, this is fun, Pizza Hut sponsored a live tour, the Coming Out of Their Shell tour. Totally, totally worth checking this out on Spotify. The songs from this tour are hilarious. Uh, and really, really, they're, they're not bad. I mean, they're, they're bad. They're really bad. They're cheesy in all the right ways. 
Uh, but if you search for Coming Out of Our Shells in Spotify, it is amazing. I listened to it one afternoon at work, uh, and it was just really, really entertaining. Uh, so check that out. Um, okay, so why does any of this stuff matter? Uh, I'm bringing up some of these things to put the timing in, into context, right? So we are talking about uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 2016. Uh, we're talking about a video game that was released in 1989. So TMNT for NES was released in 89. Uh, therefore, you know, this game was developed just after the cartoon was initially released. It hadn't been released for too long. Uh, the films have not come out yet. Uh, the toys were out, but maybe not at that max popularity or the max exposure that they were at before. Um, all the music that we were familiar with from the TV show and you know things like the live tour, the movies, uh, all the characters we know and love, they were not fully developed yet. Uh, so I, you know, I would just want to uh, put in the context that this game was developed prior to uh, the the full maturation of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise. Uh, and I want to quickly give a shout out to Alden Sorley, uh, who wrote an incredible comprehensive history of the Turtles video game entries from the beginning to 2011. And you can check this out on hardcoregaming101.net or you can check out the show notes for this episode and I'll link it up at powertimepodcast.com slash six. Uh, most of the content that I'm about to discuss comes from that retrospective uh, and sorely just does an amazing job. So a uh, billion props to him. I'm actually going to reach out to him and just say thanks because man, this was amazing uh, when doing research for this game. So this game was developed by Konami. Uh, it was released under the ultra line and I believe this was a loophole uh, to release more games in a given year. Uh, the game is very unique in that it doesn't follow the television series all that closely. Uh, according to Sorley, uh, negotiations for licensing rights began in 1986, uh, so prior to the cartoon was released, uh, with various developers. So at the time of conception, the source material for this game, it was really just based on the early comic books and some brief overview documentation of the cartoon series. So it's basically a meshing of the two. I always thought that the cover was odd uh, because the turtles all had red masks. I thought that was strange. I felt like that was a printing error. Uh, that they didn't have their colored masks. Uh, they all looked identical. Um, and I felt like that was that was an error, and, and it made the game feel cheap. Like it was less of a officially licensed Turtles game, uh, unlike some of the sequels. Uh, but apparently, the red masks, that's how they were depicted in the early comics. Um, so, you know, this is directly from the source material at this point. And the music kind of reflects this originality as well. Uh, because it doesn't tap into the cartoon franchise. And I'm reading this uh, verbatim from Sorley's article. So the music is believed to have been composed by Kozo Nakamura, uh, a composer that would remain with the series throughout most of the Konami-produced titles. The reason why this is not certain is that there's no official credits in the game and Konami of America does not have the documents with the specific staff members listed. Due to copyright reasons, none of the music is actually based on the very famous TMNT 1987 tunes. Uh, so I, I'm actually learning a lot about uh, Konami and their developers. Uh, a lot of the uh, the people who were behind these games uh, are not fully credited. Uh, there's various reasons for that, and it's really interesting stuff. 
So this game was developed kind of as its own thing. And I'm glad because, you know, as we know, looking back, it was a totally unique experience. Um, I have such incredible memories playing Turtles. Uh, as I mentioned, I was a Turtles kid through and through. I remember getting the sewer set and the party van for Christmas um, one year. I'm, I'm sure my dad, uh, it was a nightmare putting that together. Uh, I remember seeing TMNT in the theaters with my dad. Again, this was the uh, the first live action movie that we saw together. Uh, so this was really, really cool. Really, really strong memory for me. Um, I sadly remember coming home from high school one day to find out that my mom gave away all the brown paper bags full of figures that I collected over the years. So she gave it away to a neighborhood kid. Uh, really, really bummed out about that, but I'll forgive you, mom. Uh, and, you know, this was one of the few games that I actually owned uh, early on in my NES journey. We talked about this on previous episodes. You know, uh, I was a rental kid. You know, I owned a handful of games, but most of the games came from, you know, that Friday night trip to the uh, video store uh, where I got to pick out a title each week. Uh, but this one I owned, it was just way too important for me not to have. And the game's difficulty was brutal, which is why I'm glad I owned it because I got to practice, you know. But I got so good at playing the game's first few segments that I could really fast track to the party uh, wagon area. And, you know, getting there for the first time was just absolutely incredible. I remember how exciting it was. After that, though, I never made it much further. So, you know, I don't have too many memories. Uh, eventually, I found the rope that you needed to cross one of the buildings and save Splinter. I got there. Uh, but after that, you know, the difficulty just got the best of me as a kid. Uh, my top choice, Turtle, uh, this was always a big deal. It was like, who was your favorite Turtle to pick? Uh, for me, it was Donatello. Uh, I loved the long-range weapon, certainly the most powerful. Um, I also remember they had like that little red and white map uh, on the pause screen. Uh, that was really helpful, too, so you can kind of see where you were on the world map. It was very primitive, uh, but very helpful. Uh, and this game is just super special. Uh, I, I just remember it so fondly. It's a single player adventure and it was really ahead of its time, I think for 1989 and everything kind of changes for the Turtles franchise after the cartoons and the films take off and the franchise starts emulating the arcade versions of the series. Uh, what's, you know, the arcade versions really focused on multiplayer. You know, they were these multiplayer beat em up games and uh, don't get me wrong there. They are incredible games. Uh, they're just different. Uh, super incredible games. They're just a, a different experience than, you know, the single-player adventure uh, that we were uh, fortunate to play with the original Turtles. So what are your favorite memories of this game? I want to know. So you can let me know in our Facebook community. You can hop on to powertimepodcast.com slash unlocked uh, to join in. And let's talk Turtles. Let's talk TMNT. Let's talk uh, the sequel, TMNT, the arcade game, or the Manhattan Project. Uh, lots of great games to uh, discuss, and I'll be super excited uh, to, to do so in our Facebook community. So here's the deal. If you want to play TMNT now in 2016 and beyond, I think you'll have to source uh, Game Pack somewhere uh, and in NES uh, or find some other creative way to play. I'm not going to advocate for anything uh, because this was actually removed from the Wii Virtual Console in 2012. Uh, due to licensing issues. Uh, so maybe you want to consider checking out uh, Retro USB's new AVS, uh, which is a revamped NES console. I'll put a link in the show notes because this thing is awesome. 
Uh, it's cool. It's it's a brand new NES, uh, and it's getting some mixed reviews, but the positive reviews are very positive. So head on over to the show notes for this episode. You can check out that, plus a few of the articles that cover way more uh, context and way more information than I did here uh, from mentalfloss.com and Hardcore Gaming 101. So again, that's powertimepodcast.com slash six. All right, Power Players, we are going to move ahead with our next feature, the 1988 Nintendo Power Awards, or Nesters. Uh, So this was voted on by the fans in the previous issue. And I'm going to cut right to the chase. Here are your winners for the 1988 Nesters. For best graphics and sound, this went to Simon's Quest Castlevania 2. Best challenge went to Legend of Zelda. Best theme slash fun went to Mario 2. Best play control went to Mario 2. Best character went to Link. Best ending went to Mario 2. And best player versus player went to Blades of Steel. Shing! So Mario 2 and Zelda certainly uh, sweeping a little bit. uh, And the best overall game of the year went to Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. And here's the blurb uh, for that particular win. This year's award for best overall video game goes to Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. In just a short time, it has captured the hearts and imaginations of power players everywhere. Rich in story, theme, art, sound, gameplay, and composition, this epic quest has become a video game legend. So as we know and as we covered, uh, mixed mixed reviews in retrospect for that game, uh, especially after you know the series went in various directions uh, with A Link to the Past and the Ocarina of Time. Uh, but... Of course, it was very, very monumental at the time. So congratulations, Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, for taking home the gold, the best overall video game of the year. Uh, And I'll be excited. I can't remember if they do this every year uh, for the entire run of uh, Nintendo Power, but if so, I'm excited. It'll be fun to watch these unfold and really track every year. Up next, we have Bayou Billy, a Nolan's action-adventure title that gets a ton of pages featured here. Yeah, that's right. I said Nolens. Uh, typical Nintendo Power review with a focus on play style. Lots of maps to guide you through uh, the side-scrolling uh, nature of this game. Very unique title. You know, I personally did not spend a lot of time with Bayou Billy as a kid. Maybe rented it once or twice. Uh, so unfortunately, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it here. And if that bums you out, uh, just send me a what's up with that tweet at Yo Power Time. Just say, Yo Tom, what's up with that? Uh, we've got continuing, we've got a review of Cobra Triangle. We covered this a little bit last week, uh, a speedboat racing game that reminded me of RC Pro-Am. Uh, and the v- review here has a few maps to help you out. Uh, speaking of maps, you may, may remember, uh, we covered Life Force a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was mentioned a few episodes ago and despite being featured already in Nintendo Power, it's back. It's back in issue six with way more strategy than it was, uh, covered than was covered before. And we actually have a fold-out poster uh, with tons and tons of game maps. So I think the consensus was that Life Force was a fantastic game, but it was very challenging. Uh, So they brought it back for a little bit more uh, strategy. Uh, And I'm going to take a quick break. Uh, But before jumping into our previous segment, uh, I want to just share a quick word on how you can help support Power Time. Because with your support, uh, we can make this show even better uh, with your help. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. (laughs) 
I want to quickly share just a few different ways that you can support the show if you're enjoying it so far. The first way, probably the easiest way, is just to subscribe through your favorite podcast app so that you can keep coming back, keep listening, and keep giving me feedback so I can improve the show. If you are enjoying the show, uh, another way that you can support is to leave a review on iTunes. Uh, That definitely helps me attract more listeners, but also if you leave me feedback, uh, that will also help me improve the show as well. And finally, if you are absolutely enjoying the Power Time Podcast and you know that you are a super nerd just like me, and this is the absolute uh, best outlet for you uh, to get your retro Nintendo fix, check out Power Time Unlocked at powertimepodcast.com slash unlocked. Join the community, make some new friends, and then go tell all your current friends uh, and we'll have fun. So I just want to emphasize, you know, we are in the early days of the Power Time podcast. And because of that, I totally need your support. Uh, Here is a great iTunes review from The Tooth 77. So the title of this review is Taking Me Back in Time. And The Tooth 77 writes, I'm loving this podcast. It brings back some amazing memories and brings me back to my childhood. Tom does a great job bringing Nintendo Power Magazine to life, even without seeing the actual magazine. I can't wait for what's to come. So I'm super, super grateful. I want to give a shout out to The Tooth. Uh, it's actually my buddy, Tim. So Tim, uh, thank you so much for this review. I really appreciate it. Tim's in the Facebook group. Uh, we're talking Nintendo all day, every day. It's a ton of fun. Hop on in. All right, we're going to move forward now. We have uh, our next segment of the show, which is going to be previews. And as I mentioned, uh, there is a fold-out Life Force poster, but I actually want you to flip that poster over because I don't really care about those Life Force maps. I want to see what's on the other side of this poster because it's what's on the other side that really rocks and really rolls. We're talking some mega wild artwork. Let's check it out.
Deep within the contorted catacombs of Skull Castle, a sinister plot is being hatched. A plot whose evil could only be devised by one man, the insidious Dr. Wily. What terrible schemes has Dr. Wily devised in his secret underground lab? This is Mega Man 2. So, you know, first of all, shout out to the song that we just listened to. That was uh, Random, a.k.a. Mega Ran, who has produced so much amazing Mega Man-inspired hip-hop music. Uh, definitely check that out. Powertimepodcast.com slash six for the show notes. I'll link off to Mega Ran. You can check him out. Uh, and listen, I'm not going to spend too much time on Mega Man 2, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I, I, I want to mention quickly, I was going to uh, start, before starting Power Time, I was considering an entire podcast devoted to Mega Man. Uh, I thought that that would just be absolutely incredible, super niche, uh, one of my favorite franchises ever. There's so much content to cover, uh, but I decided to go the route of Power Time, and I'm glad that I did, but I may st- still do that one day. So there's plenty to talk about with Mega Man. Uh, and you get some previews of the enemies and some maps here, but not much else. And we're going to cover Mega Man 2 extensively next episode. Tons of music, tons of features, tons of history. So let's keep the TMNT train moving along here. Uh, we're not going to dwell on Mega Man too much. Uh, let's get through some more of the uh, previews. Uh, so up next, we have Faxanadu, uh, which, which is an RPG, very popular. Uh, Uncle Fester's Quest, based on the Adams Family. There's actually some sheet music uh, in Nintendo Power to teach you how to play the Adams Family theme. After that, Clash at Demon Head and Dragon Warrior. So the Dragon Warrior, uh, the preview doesn't even have any screenshots. It's just illustrations uh, and descriptions. So that should be uh, interesting. Uh, interesting that they feature that with no screenshots, but sounds like a great game. We'll talk about it in the future. All of these games look great. Uh, I'm excited to get into the reviews uh, later on. Up next, we have uh, Video Shorts. So Video Shorts covers uh, previews for upcoming game packs. Uh, This month, it includes Super Dodgeball, Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle, Baseball Stars by SNK, First of the North Star by Taxon, Kung Fu Heroes, Street Cop, and Athletic World. Those are two interesting power pad games that I never heard of before. Amagan, Monster Party, The Adventure of Lolo, very, very popular, and Hydlide. Uh, so interesting titles covered uh, covered briefly in video shorts. Uh, Packwatch had a slew of exciting titles this issue. A ton of basketball games. We had Hoops, Magic Johnson's Fast Break, All Pro Basketball, and One-on-One. Silent Service, a submarine sim. Godzilla, The Three Stooges, uh, which was a really fun game back in the day. Stealth ATF, which was a, which was a flight sim. Uh, we have some Uh, games that are inspired by movies and TV shows. We have Back to the Future previewed here, Double Dare. Uh, We have Infiltrator, 720 Degrees. That was a skateboarding game. Uh, And then two of my favorites, Rescue Rangers and DuckTales uh, have a bit more detail. We talked about them last week. Uh, They get a few more uh, screenshots and details here. Uh, So two things kind of get snuck in here in the previews, and they're not really referenced as a big deal, but they're kind of a big deal. Uh, and I'm talking about, you know, on page 103, uh, the Game Boy is casually uh, shown here. So, you know, I'll read this verbatim from the issue. Have you ever secretly dreamed that you could put your NES in your pocket so that you could play it uh, wherever you go? So have we. Well, our dreams are about to come true as Nintendo will soon be introducing Game Boy. 
It is a portable game system that is about the size of a Walkman and uses interchangeable game packs. Titles already announced are Super Mario Land, Alleyway, and Baseball. There is an incredible network feature that allows you to hook two Game Boys together. You'll get an all-new type of two-player competition uh, as you each view the action on your own screen. Scheduled for late summer. Hot. Very hot. And then after that, on the next page, uh, we have a casual note about Super Mario Brothers 3. So again, no one has seen or heard much about Super Mario Brothers 3, but here uh, we read, Mario will be able to fly using a raccoon tail as a propeller. Trust us. We'll tell you everything as soon as we can. Keep reading Nintendo Power for the latest. Uh, so here we casually learn, you know, one of the biggest features of Mario 3, the ability to fly uh, with the feather, the raccoon tail, uh, was just absolutely incredible. Uh, and they just slipped this in casually. I couldn't believe it. So that's going to wrap up the preview section. Next up, we have a new segment called That's So Retro. So again, That's So Retro is really just my opportunity to pull out things that, that brought me back you know, to the 1980s. Uh, here we have Captain Nintendo. There's an ad in the inside flap of the magazine called Powerful Connection, and it was for uh, Captain Nintendo, a 900 number that you could call to listen to a two-minute message. Uh, so for a dollar fifty a call, the, listen to this: a dollar fifty a call, you would get tips and tricks, uh, and the message would change every Sunday. Uh, but it was only a two-minute message. Uh, so think about—you know—this is incredible. Think about the amount of money they probably bled out of this program. Uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, I love some of the copywriting in this issue, particularly uh, the table of contents uh, references Packwatch, and the copywriting is "The future's so bright, we're wearing shades." Uh, just absolutely cheesy. Uh, we learn about the Nintendo Power Critics, which was a circle of uh, 100 fans. It was kind of like a fan council. And Stephen Wittenberg from Philadelphia, PA, my home city, uh, was on the circle of 100. And I'm curious what he's doing now. I wonder if I can track him down and and have a few uh, Q&A, like a Q&A uh, situation with him just to hear if he remembers much about being a Nintendo Power Critic. So page 88 of the player's poll uh, giveaway featured a mountain bike with helmet, uh, autographed WrestleMania cartridges, and a totally awesome Nintendo Power jersey. And the pictures here are just wildly retro. Uh, Another throwback feature for this issue was a feature on the world of Nintendo stores, which were actually large displays that existed uh, in other stores devoted to approved Nintendo products. So you could get systems, game packs, accessories, all approved, all with the Nintendo seal of quality. You could even try games out before you buy them. Um, But here's what I love. You could also get, listen to this, you could also get t-shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, keychains, kites, suspenders, sheets, pajamas, underwear, sleeping bags, backpacks, stickers, caps, lunch boxes, game pack carrying cases, stuffed toys, beach towels, posters, and much, much more. No joke, all of those items were listed in this article uh, for the world of Nintendo uh, quote-unquote stores. Uh, Absolutely incredible. Very, very retro. Definitely is a reminder of the peak of Nintendo craze that was happening. Uh, Everyone was all into uh, merchandise. I actually think I had a Nintendo kite. Um, So yeah, this was a real thing. Uh, Tim Burton's Batman and Holly Robinson of 21 Jump Street are featured in this uh, particular issue. Super retro photos here. The Power Glove gets a little feature. So power to the people. Get ready for high-tech hip. 
scheduled for release in early 90. Uh, so a bit of a delay. Last week, uh, we heard that this would be ready for Christmas. Apparently not the case. Uh, and finally, maybe the most retro thing in all of this issue is the Browns team power pin. Uh, so if you manage to convince a friend to subscribe uh, for six issues of Nintendo Power, so a full year, uh, you'll get a free game tip poster. But your friend, as a new subscriber, will earn his wings. He'll receive a bronze Team Power pin. Uh, talk about an incentive. This thing looks awesome. Uh, and I actually just looked this up on eBay, uh, and I, I placed a bid. So I hope that I will be the recipient of a bronze Team Power pin very soon, uh, and I'll post a picture up on the Facebook group. Uh, so that's going to wrap up That's So Retro, a brand new segment, and we're going to move right into our next segment, which is, are we having fun yet? And, you know, next, this is kind of a fresh segment, and it's just to highlight any extra bits of the issue that I found to be fun or interesting. And we're going to start it off uh, with, you know, the actual listing of the U.S. staff. Uh, So this is the first time that I'm actually paying attention to the names of the people who worked on these issues. Uh, And I noticed that Gail Tilden is the editor-in-chief. Howard Phillips serves as both the senior editor and a game consultant. And these are names that I recognized uh, because I've read recently, uh, well, last summer I read Blake Harris's Console Wars. Uh, And this is just a fantastic book if you haven't checked it out yet already. And it may not seem super fun or interesting kind of taking a look at who created this magazine, but I'm just totally geeking out over connecting the dots uh, over here. On page 68, we get treated to the winning fiction story in a contest that was advertised a few issues back. The winning story is Friends by Robbie H. Lawton, and it details the adventures of a boy named Jason who gets so into Zelda, he imagines he's in the TV, actually conversing with Link as if they're, you guessed it, friends. It's a fun little story, very wholesome, very family-friendly, and I can see why it won. Uh, just You just have a kid who's so obsessed with Nintendo that he gets so deep into the game. Uh, and it kind of reminds me of uh, Captain N, uh, the story that was actually written and presented by Nintendo, uh, Captain Nintendo, and uh, the cartoon that will lady- later be released where a kid gets sucked into the game himself and gets to interact with Nintendo characters. Uh, there is a feature here called Professor Nestor's Father's Day Lectures, Uh, So Nestor here is a self-proclaimed professor of dadology, uh, the science of dadology. And he shares his uh, fun facts about dads, which unsurprisingly uh, try to convince you, the reader, that the perfect Father's Day gift uh, for your father was an NES game game pack that fit his interests. Uh, So whether he was into sports or TV trivia shows, there was a game pack for everyone. Uh, Super subtle Nintendo Power, super subtle. Uh, And that's going to conclude, are we having fun yet? So power players, I hope that you enjoyed the new format change. Uh, That's going to do it for episode six. But before uh, we take off, I want to take a look at your top 10 games uh, from May, June, 1989. So before we conclude every episode, uh, the conclusion of every issue had the top 30 uh, where they kind of creating an aggregate of the players' picks, the pros' picks, and the dealers' picks to present your top 30 games. Each episode of Power Time, I'm going to be pulling out your top 10. Uh, So here are your top 10 games for May, June 1989. At number one, we have Zelda 2. 
At number two, we have Super Mario Brothers 2. No surprise there. They took uh, they took a lot of the awards earlier in the Nesters. Uh, we have Legend of Zelda, the original, at number three. At number four, we have Contra. At number five, we have Track and Field. Number six, we have Blaster Master. At number seven, we have Metal Gear. At number eight, we have Bionic Commando. Number nine, we have Metroid. And number 10, we have Rampage. Uh, so Blades of Steel, Mario 1, and The Legend of Zelda are the top games from the players. So these are the players' picks, uh, possibly indicating that you know a lot of the, the fans, they might not actually have Super Mario Bros. 2 or Link, uh, The Adventure of Link. Uh, they might not have access to the latest and greatest titles. Maybe they couldn't rent them. Maybe they couldn't afford to buy new titles all the time. Uh, so you really see uh, sports title, Blades of Steel, Mario 1, and Zelda uh, are the top games for the players. So up next week, uh, as always, we will conclude uh, just by previewing what the next episode we'll be covering. Uh, so in the July-August issue of Nintendo Power, we've got Mega Man 2, we've got Dragon Warrior, we've got more Strider, and a Faxanadu review, and a lot more. So stay tuned. Uh, this is going to be awesome. Mega Man 2, one of the greatest. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and let's just go over quickly, you know, some of the featured music from this episode. Do not forget to check out the featured music from this week uh, because it's fantastic. First, we have a few tracks from TMNT as produced by The Greatest Bits. And then we heard that Metal Man uh, cover from uh, Mega Man 2. And that was produced by Random, a.k.a. Mega Ran, uh, featuring the band The Megas. Uh, check out these artists. Uh, be sure to support them. Uh, if if you want to purchase their music, it's available. Uh, if you want to stream it, it's available. Uh, you can learn more about them and check out some links at powertimepodcast.com slash six. I'll also have the links uh, to some of those articles I mentioned uh, on TMNT. And if you love Mega Man music, so if you've really enjoyed that Metal Man cover, definitely, definitely tune in next week. I'll be digging into a lot uh, featuring quite a few of the stages from different artists. So it's going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of great renditions of Mega Man 2. There's a couple artists who did full albums covering the entire soundtrack, and I'll highlight some of those artists as well. Uh, but yeah, definitely tune in. Uh, if you have any memories of Mega Man 2 that you want me to share on the show, you can tweet at me at YoPowerTime or hop into the Facebook group uh, and join the, the uh, conversation. All right, power players, that's going to wrap up today's episode. I hope you dug the new format. We'll keep tweaking things until we get it right. So I'm a big fan of just continuing to experiment and test things until it's really comfortable, until I dig it, you dig it. Uh, and remember, you know, the best way to give me feedback is to join the community, powertimepodcast.com slash unlocked, uh, or join the conversation on Twitter at Yo PowerTime. Uh, give, me a follow, uh, give me a follow, shoot me a tweet. Uh, I'll follow you back. We'll talk. It'll be fun. But that's going to do it, folks. I am your host and guide, Tom Tate. This has been another episode of the Power Time Podcast. And until next week, keep on playing with power. <laughs>